Today, we have the pleasure of welcoming someone who is an absolute asset to our industry, just an absolute hero to so many that's out there. He's always happy to jump in wherever he's needed in our Chime community, or really just the industry as a whole. Uh, the digital health community at large is just truly blessed to have him. He's an active member of just about everything in Chime, that's for sure. Our Public Policy Steering Committee, a member of our Foundation Development Committee, he speaks at anything we generally ask him to at all of our education programs uh, and absolutely one of our longtime wonderful members, part of our CHCIO certified community as well. We'll encourage all of you to continue to do that. But I am absolutely thrilled to have a great friend and a great friend of Chime, Scott McLean, Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer at MedStar Health in Columbia, Maryland. Scott, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Russ. I'm really glad to be here and thank you for your leadership and all the work that the CHIME staff does to support us. Well, it, it truly is an honor to serve all of you out in the field. And so with that being said, out in the field, boy, everything seems to be happening here, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's stuff going on overseas now, hurricanes, it's just crazy. How are you doing? How is your family doing? How's your team holding up during these really trying times? Thanks. We're doing well. A family, we had uh, one, our oldest living with us and working in Baltimore. And then we called two home from college. So we had five under our roof, which was a little more than we expected to be at that point. And uh, as I just mentioned to you, I was coming to the office regularly throughout the pandemic because that's what uh, my supervisor wanted. And uh, that actually worked out well because we had four people at home there working and schooling and using uh, internet bandwidth. So that was good. Everybody remained healthy and uh, did the best practices around trying to protect themselves. And then regarding the team, I'm really proud of how MedStar as a whole and the IS team responded to this and, and all the teams, the healthcare teams across the country and world needed to uh, respond in a big way. And we really pushed people and they stepped up because they're committed to the mission and uh, taking care of the people in this, this region. And we, when things slowed down a little bit at the beginning of the summer, we really encouraged people to take time off that they hadn't been able to in the previous uh, 18 months or so. And so we are uh, certainly back at it, seeing, uh, responding to what's happening now uh, in the country and region. And um, so I think we are prepared as best we can to, uh, to tackle the next uh, challenges that come along. Awesome. I'm glad to hear everybody's doing so well. And uh, on that note, uh, you know, you, you've been doing this for a while. You, you're not a newbie to the role by any means, but you've been really been leading in this industry and, and come up. And one of the things we find that our listeners and even our students in many of our academies and boot camps at, under Chime University, I want to know, how do you get to, to your job, Scott? How do you get to where you're at at the top? You know, I'd love to hear a little bit about your career, the journey that got you where you are today, kind of, kind of what makes you who you are. Well, I appreciate the question, and I probably have a little bit of a different path uh, to get to the CIO role. I, when I got out of uh, college studying electrical engineering in the mid-80s, I worked for General Electric for several years, and um, I was working on things that, that had everything to do with other industries other than healthcare. And uh, then I decided that I wanted to do something different uh, before I turned 65, some service-oriented work. And... I joined InterVarsity, which is an interdenominational campus fellowship. And um, that was a, a great thing, number one, because that's where I met my wife and that was terrific. But 
Also, um, I worked with uh, students and donors and fellow staff people, and it was a really great, what I call a graduate school in human relationships, where you needed to be able to, to work by influence. So you're influencing students, you're, you're raising money for salary and other expenses. And then also working with uh, other staff and, and the university administrations to bring about the programs and, and uh, items that are helpful for the, the students in their development. And it turns out that that is a, a really good thing in training to do the work that we do in healthcare IT, where you don't necessarily have uh, command over all the different resources that you have to work with and you, you have to negotiate, you have to be able to uh, uh, listen to people and validate their concerns and um, be able to, to uh, get the, the budgets and other things that are necessary to, to complete our work and get along with people and uh, implement systems. So what are a couple of the previous jobs you had um, you know, kind of led into to your role at MedStar? So um, when I finished the work on the campus chaplaincy, I um, went to get a healthcare MBA. And when I set out for that, Russ, I thought, you know, I would, I would go in there and I would work on things like public policy. And, uh, and I realized very quickly in the uh, healthcare MBA program that if I was going to do that, I probably should go to a public policy school and wind up in Washington and working on the policy issues. And I quickly realized with my engineering background that a good route would be to focus on the intersection of technology and life sciences. And um, I was fortunate enough to get an internship with Mass General Brigham uh, while I was still in business school and then ended up working there for 21 plus years in various roles that included uh, a lot of um, understanding of clinical workflows. We were still developing clinical systems at that point. So I got to work on the safety aspects of CPOE for oncology at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. I then was asked to be the CIO of one of the community hospitals at Mass General Brigham, and then uh, ended up being the deputy CIO of the system for many years. And that was during the large EHR implementation that we took on there. And I was responsible for much of the uh, infrastructure uh, build and maintenance across the, the enterprise uh, to be able to support the EHR and, and everything else that the organization was doing. And when I uh, ended up uh, our, our last child was graduated from high school, I decided I should do some looking for a system level role and uh, did, a, did a search around that and ended up here at MedStar Health, which I think is a, is a great fit for me. And we, we like the, the company and, and really like the region like living in Baltimore. Well, if there's, there's a, you know, everybody has a few words that can define it. One of, one of the words I always think when I think of you is, is service. You, you're always willing to serve and give and give and give. And then when you're out of energy, somehow you find a way to recharge a little bit and give a little more. I, I know you do some stuff, even in the community. If you, if you follow Scott McClain anywhere on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, other ones, you'll see some of the cool stuff he does in communities. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of your your uh, the work that you do in service, not just of your health system community in that part, but also the rest of it. Sure. Well, like like many of us, we're we're in healthcare because we want to serve people. And when we made the move to MedStar Health, we wanted to live in the city. We wanted to live in Baltimore. And Baltimore is a, is a terrific city. We love it there. And it also has issues with violence and other problems that people probably hear and read about. Um, and so. 
one of the opportunities that I found out about through our church is that there are a group of men, mostly uh, black men, who do walking through some of the toughest neighborhoods in Boston and try to bring resources to them. Um, I think we've heard numbers like the clinical provider community deals with about 20% of the information and, and issues that really go into making people healthy. We hear these numbers like 80% of social determin determinants of health are outside of, of the healthcare system. And so this is a way that I, I felt very fortunate to be able to work with this group. It's a, it's a not-for-profit called We Our Us, and the uh, website is weourusmovement.org. And uh, this group, again, I, I learned through our, our pastors, we have, our church has one black and one white pastor. They're co-equal, same pay, um, and they're, they're, they both preach the same amount. And they're both involved in this. And, and one of them is a Baltimore native and invited me to be able to participate in this. And it, it's been a real privilege to uh, walk with these men and, and learn, right? It's, it's not every day that I'd have that uh, opportunity. And just briefly, it, it turns out that there are five zip codes in Baltimore where most of the people leave to be in, incarcerated and, and come back to the same uh, zip codes. And those are the areas that we're focusing on, bringing resources like job training and jobs. Uh, we do, we bring people to rehab if necessary. We provide food um, and, and mediation. There's uh, mediation with conflicts between people that we, we don't involve police and we're able to get trust. and. And really, these are the different vectors, I think, that contribute to overall health. And, uh, and we have a belief that as we do this work, we'll be able to help reduce the violence in Baltimore, which, of course, is, is important um, for all of us. And, uh, and you know, obviously, that ultimately contributes to overall health. Well, that, that's pretty amazing. And uh, I'm sure the Baltimore area is better for what you all are doing. That's, uh, that's pretty inspirational, to say the least. Um, it takes a lot of leadership to do things like that. And again, that's another term I would use when I think, think about you, Scott, is, is your, just your aptitude and leadership and that you really do focus on this, whether it's leadership training and you've helped us do education numerous times in several of our programs or just the industry as a whole. And I know you do it for your team. You know, I think you've got some axioms, some real core principles that, that you kind of follow uh, matter of fact, in some of our previous discussions, kind of boiling it down to the seven areas of focus. And I'm going to call that the seven areas of focus of Scott McLean. I'd love to hear what your principles are about this that we can share with our listeners. Sure. And I've, I've written about this and I, I've, I've spoken about it. And it just happens to be the framework that I use that I always have cycling through my, my mind uh, when I'm thinking about leadership and thinking about what we need to accomplish. It's also how I organize our leadership meetings and um, our, our agendas for those, and how I organize our team site for the information that our, our team participates with. So number one is, is what I call staffing or, or, or people. Obviously, we talk a lot about people being the most important thing, but we can't do anything without good uh, associates and, and leaders. So I put a lot of emphasis in first on recruiting and retaining the best talent. And I, I think that's extremely important for any IT leader. This is something I learned from one of the, the fathers of healthcare IT, John Glasser, uh, and how he approached things. Secondly, uh, people are great, but you need a budget. Uh, you need operating and capital budgets to be able to uh, support the work that we do, their salaries and all of the non-labor costs that go into our implementations and maintenance. And so 
that's obviously very important in any organization for financial controls. And so I pay attention to those things and, and make them transparent um, as much as possible, certainly within the leaders, but also for the associates. The third thing is, is leadership overall. And a lot of leadership has to do with communication, of course. And so being able to discuss uh, through various forms of communication and you know, people absorb information different ways, but to make sure that people know the overall strategy as it matches to the enterprise strategy, the important priorities of what we're doing in any given year uh, for the annual operating plan, and then any issues that may be uh, people aren't expecting. Like right now, we all know that we have some global supply chain issues with chips and other things. And so there are leaders need to know that uh, the equipment deliveries and things like that may not be what they're expecting. Fourth thing is um, customer service, really focusing in on the many constituencies we serve, whether they're clinical, administrative research, the teaching community. And we, I, I think one of the big emphases on this is, is rounding. So the day after Labor Day, I'll be going down to our Washington hospitals and, and walking around with, with my EVP, looking at equipment, talking to clinicians, uh, figuring out what works and what doesn't, and uh, being able to respond to that. And like many others, we also do customer satisfaction surveys and follow up on, on comments for those. Fifth thing is uh, operations. So. That's what I did in my last job at National Brigham. It is hard running a big, big technology platforms for an enterprise are, are difficult for, for anyone. It's, I say something's always broken, it's constant. You always have to keep following up. We at MedStar have been, had our infrastructure outsourced for a dozen years now. So we, we, we like that arrangement. Uh, it, it buffers us a little bit from not being able to recruit the best talent uh, by, leaving that to a, a large technology firm that has that ability to bring the right talent to us. So we manage that through our, our CTO and have towers of, of uh, response for network and telephony for data center for service desk, clinical service desk and end user computing. And uh, so operations critically important. We can have great applications, but if we don't have devices and networks for them to run on, uh, it's not very good. Sixth thing would be vendor management. Obviously, I just talked about the outsourcing agreement. We all have large EHR contracts and, and many central spending items that we need to keep track of. People I'm sure have Office 365 licenses or the like, and uh, th that's something that, as we know, is per, per user. So we have to manage all those things very carefully. And then uh, seventh, but perhaps most importantly, like with staffing, staffing as first is professional development. And so Chime plays a big part of that for, for me and uh, other organizations for our associates. And so being able to provide the right opportunities for people to associate, to get training, uh, to be able to develop in their careers uh, is critically important to retention of staff. So those are the things, staffing, budget, leadership, customer service, um, operations, vendor management, and professional development. Wow. The fact that you can just roll them all off like that knows it's an integrated and, and incorporated <laughs> part of your life. That's pretty impressive. Uh, I think I, I wish I would have had that kind of framework when I was out there running CIO jobs. Sounds quite quite a great leadership framework. So uh, hopefully our, our listeners will, will steal those blatantly from you and put some structure into their own worlds, or at least try to improve. 
You know, another thing that we hear a lot of, and, and, and it can own, you know, we've been doing this for so long, Scott, we, we, we've all gotten accustomed to buzzword management, um, you know, solution in a box, whatever it is. And there's some big words out there right now. Innovation's one of those big words and, you know, digital's one of those big words. But I just, you know, this is one where I think people, our listeners could really benefit from your wisdom of, you know, what does innovation mean in your organization? What's, is it, is it a formal structured approach or is it just kind of DNA in the way you do things? Love to hear your thoughts on innovation. Well, I think we're very fortunate the way we're set up. We, I am responsible for core IT and I work with our chief innovation officer and our chief digital transformation officer, both of whom report to our CEO and then with our uh, VP of analytics, uh, who reports to our CFO. So we need to use the technical infrastructure to do all of these things. And it's in terms of innovation, it's really helpful to have a dedicated team that, that does that. And our, our goal there is to be able to experiment with things, uh, fail fast, uh, as they say in the, in the venture capital market and be able to find things that will work and then we can scale across the enterprise. And, um, but in, in addition to that, I, I think that <clears throat> when I think about in, innovation, I, I'm always thinking about ways that we can break out of what we're doing. And I mentioned the supply chain shortage earlier. So whether it's because of that or during the COVID crisis, we had to look at alternative solutions. Um, you know, perhaps almost like the, the Apollo 13, finding all of the things that you have and what you can do with them. So we were able to respond quickly to be able to uh, deliver the solutions we need, whether it be for temporary uh, spaces, testing tents or ICU expansion, vaccination clinics. And I have some very talented uh, people who found those solutions and were able to deliver them. Um, another funny story is there, there was a, a part missing once that we were having trouble uh, finding and I thought, huh. I wonder if I can just find this on Amazon, went out there and they happen to have one and, and we could get it. So I, like you say, I think thinking outside the box, I know that's overused, but just being in a place where you can work with people and, and think differently. In terms of, of people during this, Russ, I, we, as I mentioned, we had people working very hard and that was true for everyone across the country. So I really tried to, and I try to do this with clinicians too, listen to what they're going through and validate it, even if uh, I can't do anything about it and really uh, be able to um, connect with them. And so one of the things that I did during the pandemic was make a specific point to reach out to every leader, not just the ones that report to me, but every leader that has someone reporting to them and speak with them, encourage them, uh, give them a, a, a boost in the arm for what they're doing and how much they're contributing. And I, and I think that was appreciated. And then another thing is we talked about vendor management. I, I was really happy with our outsourcer, our infrastructure outsourcer and our EHR vendor who helped us in ways I think that cost them. They were willing to participate in the mission to be able to move equipment around or in the case of our EHR vendor, we worked together like I think many did across the country that we worked with the uh, Army Corps of Engineers and our EHR vendor to build out the DC Convention Center with 470 beds and a uh, complete EHR and revenue cycle system within three weeks. And, you know, there's no way we could have done that without the help of our EHR vendor. Wow. 
you know, it's, it's amazing what, what, what you can do under a trying circumstance and barriers start getting removed and people like you and so many other heroes out there are able to do things. Let's just hope we don't need those tents and convention centers and people start getting a little bit more vaccinated. We can get this thing under control. So thanks for all you're doing there. You know, one of the things you volunteer with us on, which we greatly appreciate, because it really is a matter of the volunteers. I mean, it is a volunteer committee, and that is our policy steering committee working directly in Washington. And I know you've been involved with public policy for a long time, but uh, even serving on this committee, there, there are so many issues right now hitting in this arena that are on the political front and on the administrative fronts, and that's everything from cybersecurity and patient safety and interoperability and yeah, info blocking. I, I just love to hear maybe what you think the top priorities are right now and whether you've got any thoughts on any of them. I'll let you pick the ones you want. Thanks, Russ. And as you know, the team does a very good job at sorting through what the priorities should be for any given year and, and congressional cycle. And when I think about this, uh, probably top of mind, and, and this is something we emphasize a lot, is our collective uh, response with cybersecurity issues. And this is challenging for all of us. It's uh, important for us to work across public and private uh, partnerships and vendors and um, government. And I, I think everyone is focused on it and we are advocating for uh, additional resources and for ways that we can uh, tackle this problem and, and always being able to balance the risks with uh, enabling our clinicians uh, and patients to interact and, and carry on on workflow. So I, I think that's top of mind. A second one would be our advocacy for many years for the universal patient identifier. And I know that there are some that have uh, concerns uh, about this, but again, as we're looking at uh, more interoperability, more sharing, appropriate sharing of, of information, and as we want to be uh, more personalized in our approach to healthcare, I think this is, is critically important across all the systems. And then thirdly, I would just say general uh, simplification. So I know that uh, CMS and ONC have made efforts over the years as we've responded to the HITECH High Act and the Affordable Care Act to uh, make more simple, simple measures. And I think that this is, is really important as we get into thinking about how clinicians interact with our systems and with their patients and being able to get the right information to the right place. Uh, certainly we found this with the uh, testing and vaccination coordination. So ways that we can gather effective information and keep it consistent, um, I think is, is really important to the extent that the government can help us and not change quickly uh, and, and make us go on a chase to, to try to respond in a, in a way that is uh, ineffective would be really helpful. So I appreciate those. And again, thanks for all you do on our public policy uh, efforts. Um, you know, I'm sure there will be a time very soon where we'll be uh, crashing the steps of, of the hill again in person, but for now we'll do a lot of it virtually, but your voice and so many others on that committee are, are really valuable as we try to get the right things done in Washington the right way, which is not always the easiest thing to do. You know, on that same front, uh, you know, we, we're, we're entering into a whole new era of healthcare. And, and yeah, you can say COVID maybe accelerated that a little bit, but maybe it was just always there as we kind of move into this next 
uh, era, this next economic, what I call an economic revolution. You know, we're kind of exiting the information age and entering into a kind of a whole new uh, overused phrase again, digital era, digital um, thought process, maybe, maybe even what might, some might call the AI age. I'd love to kind of pick your brain a little bit here about what you're seeing as things that are coming up that might be major disruptors, might be things that, boy, I just can't wait till we get to work more on this and continue to see the benefits. And then maybe even you can throw in a few of their, uh, this keeps me up at night. We know cybersecurity keeps everybody up at night at this point, but you know, are there other things that you wanna kind of focus on? Well, it's a great uh, question. And I would put it into a, a couple of different categories. And, and so first is the continued shift to uh, ambulatory services and care at home. And people know that in, in IT, we talk about thinning the client or the user interface. And, I think as more things are done remotely, healthcare is becoming less, uh, quote, heavy or hospital-based. And I think this means, uh, of course, it means um, services should be able to be delivered less expensively, uh, hopefully with more patient satisfaction and with better outcomes. And so inherently, this also means there's more need for technology, for monitoring, data aggregation, and things to ensure quality. And we saw, saw that, obviously, with the use of telehealth during the pandemic, which hopefully uh, continues. And then I think the, the second category would be effective use of, of data and information. And we know uh, that medical knowledge is, is growing exponentially. And I think we have enormous opportunity to deliver more personalized medicine based on this body of knowledge. And uh, the more we know about people's individual genetic maps and responses to therapies. And so to be effective about this, I think we, it means we have to um, organize our, our data, apply the AI and machine learning that you talked about, um, and put this in a way that we can provide real-time clinical decision support uh, in the EHR workflow. And I think it's, it's all feasible. It just, as, as I like to say about a lot of things, takes time and money, right? And it takes um, interdisciplinary response from our clinicians from data scientists, from IT people, our suppliers, and, and, and more. So I think those are two areas that I'm focused on and, and really interested in. And then what keeps me up at night, I think, in addition to uh, security, and, and maybe this is related, is just we, I, I think we've talked about this, we, we all want to respond. I mean, our, our job is to support our caregivers um, and other functions of the organization that, that really support the clinical care. And we estimate we take care of about 20% of the people in the Baltimore DC region. And so we all want to be effective and respond. We wanna keep equipment running, um, be able to create the EHR interventions that help our clinicians take care of COVID patients and some of the other diseases and, and uh, issues. So I think if I, if I wake up at night, that's what's top of mind of a, a little bit of anxiety about making sure that we're, we're bringing the right things to the, the people so the patients can be cared for. So as we wrap up our time, maybe really one last question here. This is, this is where great leaders like you can create clarity in an uncertain time, because there's no doubt we're heading still into more and more uncertain times. Uh, and there's no way to create certainty. You have to kind of create, you know, clarity during those periods of times. I'd love for you maybe a little bit of crystal ball, a little bit of wisdom. You know, what do you see the industry kind of doing or, or what it's shaping up to be over the next few years 
and specifically the U.S. market? And then, you know, what would you like the industry and the, in China to work on? That's a good question. I, I think that um, as we, for several of these themes we've we've talked about, and and we see this in the CIO literature, we are on the spectrum of, of moving from where the business says, hey, IT, we want you to do something to being a, a real business partner where we talk about that there's business and clinical transformation through information technology, that it's not an afterthought, but it's actually part of how we, we go to market. And I we talked a little bit about digital. Our chief digital transformation officer talks about not doing digital, but being digital. And so, of course, that includes a quote, digital front door, a platform, um, ways that consumers and patients can interact with us. But it also goes into all the ways the organization can be more efficient as it acts digitally. And, um, you know, whether it's the AI and machine learning we talked about, um, robotic process automation, um, various ways that the clinical and administrative uh, research teaching enterprise can be transformed through it. So I think, that's the way uh, the industry is going. And that's certainly something that we hear about in our Chime education and, and should be focusing on it. And then I think uh, the, the other thing is this, this real issue of, um, you know, people talked first about um, physician burnout, then they talked about clinician burnout, then they said everyone's burned out. And it, it's really, I think, burden. So, and, and, Jeff Bezos and Amazon talk about reducing friction and uh, ways that we interact with their their platform. I think being really focused on how technology can be used to enable people's workflow and and reduce overall burden, make things uh, easier, that's part of being digital as well. And I think that ways that we can help leaders and and associates adopt that are, are critically important going forward. Unfortunately, our time is up. A huge thank you for you, all your volunteerism, all your willingness to help, whether that's in your community, in your health system, actually across the nation and now even the world, uh, and being willing to share your wisdom, your thoughts, your leadership. We greatly appreciate you. We greatly appreciate all the great leaders and clinicians at MedStar Health and the work they're doing in the area you serve. Uh, We just greatly appreciate your sacrifice and your service to so many people. Well, it's great, Russ. I'm happy to do it and uh, really appreciate the Chime uh, organization and all the people that contribute and and make things uh, easier for us. Well, we'd also like to thank our listeners for joining us for this episode of the Digital Health Leaders Podcast. Uh, Special thanks to our sponsor for this episode, LK, uh, one of our great Chime Foundation firms for all the work they do and helping getting programs like this out to so many. You can visit this program and all of our others at our website, chimecentral.org forward slash media and Apple, Spotify, and other areas you can listen to for all of our programs. For now though, please stay vigilant as we try to knock this COVID thing out. Stay safe during these difficult times. If you haven't, please consider getting vaccinated. It's not just for you, but for the people around you, especially your loved ones. Take care, be safe, and God bless.